Do you like to learn about random wild stuff? You know, the things you didn't think you needed to know about, then realize you should? Then welcome to Nothing Off Limits, the podcast that gives you one place to go for something different. Impress your next party guest with your unusual body of knowledge. And if you dig the show, get more information at ladyfoxentertainment.com and subscribe, rate, or review. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nothing Off Limits. Today, we're going to discuss work-life balance. If it's even possible, the stress of not having enough time for work versus family, friends, or just general playtime, and why it might be a generational issue. Our guest is Deb Crow. She's a former medical case manager turned life coach, motivational speaker, disability specialist, and work-life balance expert. She's in book five of the Change book series, a number one book series in the world, which I encourage you to pick up. And she is the founder of the Soul Women on the Go conference, which is set to debut in St. Louis in April, I believe. Deb is based in London, Ontario. And you can get way more information and blog awesomeness on her website, which is Deb Crow dot com that's crow with an e at the end welcome deb thank you i'm just so happy to be here with you i'm thrilled to have you and i know you're sitting in your car which is pretty awesome <laughs> work-life balance right <laughs> right i've never done an interview with someone in their car so this will be good i feel like it's like jerry seinfeld like coffee and coffee and conversations what is that show absolutely it's uh i'm having fun because people are walking by and looking at me with my headset on so we're, get, we're we're creating curiosity already i love it well i would love to dive in and have you share with the audience the amazing journey that you've gone through from being a medical case manager to being a motivational speaker and a life coach and all the things that you do today well, I, I'm happy to share that, and I, I think it's a privilege when we get to tell our story. So I was in university after high school, and my second year in, my dad passed away suddenly. He was 54, and I was the tender age of 21. So as I reflect back now, because I had my 50th birthday this year, I, I realized I grew up really quick and really fast because I didn't really have a choice. I was at home with a mom who suffered with alcoholism and mental health. Mm-hmm. So I had to leave school and really decide what I was going to do. So what else do you do? You become an entrepreneur. <laughs> so I started my own company. And one of the last things my dad said to me was, whenever you're in negotiation, you always say, yes, I know how to do that. And then you figure it out. And I've <laughs> always carried that with me. And it helped me be resilient. And it helped me never have that component of fear that sneaks up on us as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I went back to university and I specialized in community-based rehabilitation. And then I further, um, I studied and became a neurotrauma specialist. So I was a case manager for people that would be in serious car accidents or workplace accidents. And I was that person at the hospital once they got out to make things happen and make goals happen or just get them back to life. But mm-hmm. rewarding job, loved it but total burnout and in 2011 I I I physically call it the the edge of the cliff that I renamed beyond.com I had nothing left for anybody my cup my cup wasn't empty it was cracked and dehydrated it was done Mm -hmm. so I took a year off and I did some consulting work and as I was reflecting back with my business coach who helped me with my exit strategy I went back and looked at all my transferable skills and I realized that I was already helping not only my clients, 
but their families with work-life balance. And that's when I realized that's really what I should be doing is, is pull out from the work everything that I love to do and not go back to the components like testifying in court and writing medical reports for legal counsel to rip apart. But what were the guts of what I really love doing? And it was just helping people find that balance between work and their personal life. So I mm-hmm. migrated to that in 2011, and here we are five years later. Wow. I'm blown away by the courtroom piece of this. That had to be kind of a the dark side of, of being a medical case manager, huh? It, it was dark, but on the same time, I always shone my light because I was the underdog. I was the Aaron Brockovich for these people. Like, they had severe traumatic brain injuries, or they were paraplegic or quadriplegic. Like, there was nothing to fight against a diagnosis. It was just a legislative system that, that is really warped. And I loved fighting for the, for the underdog, but it's exhausting. So tell us about your connection to the real Aaron Brockovich. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because when I closed my clinic, I went to her website because I absolutely love that movie. And I, I really felt that Julia Roberts captured her. And I went to her website because she's still doing the work that she's doing. And I wrote her an email basically just reiterating what I said to you. Like, I'm done. I'm broken. I'm tired. Like, you know, what did you do after that big lawsuit when you needed the break? And and she wrote me back in 24 hours. And I, I was blown away because I can only imagine how many emails she gets. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, you have to keep going. Just find another find another funnel, find another tunnel, find another way. So that was, again, part of my on-ramp to collect my thoughts, look at the transferable skills, and still still bring what I brought to my patients, but just in a different light. So I'm still fighting for the underdog, but again, just not with all those logistics of of the government and <laughs> yeah. exactly insurance yeah. companies you know and, and so it was just it was just migrating in another direction but still keeping that tenacity and passion that just keeps the fire going in me mm-hmm. I love that she got back to you so fast and and kind of felt that that need to inspire you and and that connection with what you were going through too obviously or else she wouldn't have responded I think it's a lot of similarities in the work I used to do. And and I mean, she knows best. She works for a lawyer who wasn't well known. And then after they did that huge, you know, lawsuit against P&G, I mean, they were on the roadmap and then everybody and, and their brother wanted to be represented by that lawyer. And it brought her to another level. But I love it because she knew in her mind without all the credentials after her name that she could do the work and that's I love the grit that she portrayed and I I see a lot of similarity in what I've done because I went up against a lot of people that had a lot of initials after their name and I'm not dissing people with academic excellence but there's nothing in the world Michelle that can replace life experience absolutely Absolutely. I have a lot of um, friends in the in the entertainment business, and they always say, I'm from the school of hard knocks, you know, because they have that real life experience that you talk about. And they've gone out there and they've played, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gigs. And they're probably much better musicians than the guys who went through, you know, four years of Berkeley. So I get it. So let's dive into work-life balance. Um, You know, I felt like it became a big buzzword a couple of years ago, and it's still relevant now. Why do you think it's still such an issue? 
I think it's an issue because it's become so cliche and and I think people are so sick of hearing it. I think that the term has been choked to death. Yeah. And I just I, I made a conscious decision in August that I spoke at uh, a conference we have in Canada here called CanFit Pro, and it's the largest fitness conference, and it's like three or four days, and everyone from all over the world, the who's who in fitness comes. And I spoke, I did two 90-minute keynotes on work-life balance. I did one for the gym owners slash entrepreneurs, and then I did one for the personal trainers. And I kind of had an aha moment that I need to take away the word balance because when we hear the word balance, we automatically subconsciously think of a scale and we and we get pulled from one side to the other. Mm-hmm. So I've changed it to work-life fit. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, because one of my questions is like, is it even possible to reach this idea of balance, of perfect balance? A lot of people might say no. Well, and... Well, number one, there's no such thing as perfection in anyone's life. I don't care who you are or how much support you have. That's that's kind of rule number one is you have to let go of that cliche and that wanting of perfection mm-hmm. and just go with the day-to-day progression in sustaining and man- maintaining what you have because we all have life happenings. We all have emergencies. So there's always going to be something to kick something out of line and it's being able to get back on track. That's part of having work-life fit. It's not about, oh, I did really good at work today. Tomorrow, I'm going to get caught up at home. It's not this ping-pong approach to what you do every day. It's being happy with what you do, being happy that small gains equal large progression. And just, you know, that generational thing, especially with the baby boomers and the Gen X, you know, we strive for perfection because that's what our grandparents did. And and we're to do it this way. And that's the only way where the millennials are kicking that to the curb saying, there's just no way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel like the millennials are so much smarter than any of the other generations so far. I'm just... Well, they are. Yeah. They're sharp, they're savvy, and they see that that's just not possible. So we're not going to try to achieve that. And so I love that. So when you start working with your clients, no matter what age, or if they're in a corporation, or if it's one-on-one, how do you even begin the process of figuring out like where you're at now so that you know what's what and how to get a little more fit? So I have an assessment tool that I give them. And we we do it together on our first face-to-face one-on-one, and it usually ends in tears. And that's for both the men and the women, because I am able to show them where they're spending their time, but more importantly, where they're not. And where they're not is where they land up saying to me, Deb, this is this is not my this is not the life I want. Mm. Where I have the no time is where I want to be. So it's a real mindset shift, but it allows them to be accountable to me and then I make them track their time for a month. Because three weeks, yes, we can develop a new habit. A month, I'm gonna really make them accountable, and then for six weeks, it's now implemented into their life as a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And they don't fall off the wagon, if you will, because I make them be diligent. I make them be accountable. And if something ha- happens along the way, which it always does in life, I show them how to quickly get back on track. So it's just providing them with the right tools. You know, having an accountability coach 
is is a success in its own right because that's what people need. They don't want to be beat up if something doesn't go the way it's supposed to. It's the strategy of knowing how to get back on track. Mm -hmm. And that's my effective tool, whether I'm sitting with an HR manager in a company. That's a little bit of a different scenario because I land up being the mediator between the employee who may be off on a short-term disability claim for stress and then educating an HR manager that I understand you have processes and procedures and HRs in a box, but we're dealing with a person here, not a file, not a claim number. Yes. So can you give us an example outside of the corporate setting, maybe just a one-on-one client, like a, a real-life experience of somebody who was having a lot of trouble getting that work-life fit, as you call it, because they felt like they needed to put in a certain number of hours at their job in order to provide for the family. But where they really want to be is spending more time with the family or with their friends or going golfing or whatever it is. Can you give us an example of how you helped them achieve that? Absolutely. So I had a, um, we'll call her Jane Doe. I had a corporate Jane Doe who had climbed the corporate ladder, really had done well, multiple degrees, um, also did her master's, was seriously considering doing her PhD, just, you know, typical type A overachiever because she was an only child who um, grew up and she always had those expectations put on her since she was very, very young. Mm-hmm. So, tra- and it was very tragic. Um, so her, <laughs> I know hus- all about her- that. <laughs> it's 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 just you know it, it it becomes their being and they lose the identity of who they are because they get wrapped around a title with credentials mm. and anyway so we started working together for her to have more balance at home and it's it's a very sad story her husband and her two children were actually killed in a car accident So not not only was I getting her back on track to spend more time at home, then there was no reason to go home. So a little bit of a different fit, but what a twist with my background. So getting her the right team of professionals to help her through her grieving. And, you know, it's a good example that I wanted to share with you because we just took one day at a time and then one week at a time. And it was her letting go of the perfection that was, you know, really put on from her parents who were both, you know, Ivy League type people. Mm -hmm. And she didn't really know who her identity was. She just thought she had to be this byproduct of her mom and dad who climbed the corporate ladder, made big money. and, And you follow those material gesture ideas that, you're fostered as you grow up. Yeah. So we, she started being more of being home at five, working at home. You know, we spoke to the employer. We, I showed them some strategies of how they could be a bit more benevolent. And what, what in turn happened before the the tragedy that she uh, went through was I, I convinced the employer that if they would let her stay home a little bit more, her stress would be lessened. She would be retained as a corporate manager for longer because they are giving her that work-life balance. Mm-hmm. And her productivity actually went up. So it was a combination of working with her and her employer. And she was very, very apprehensive to let me speak to her employer. She didn't let me in for about three months. Well, yeah, because in my opinion, like, sorry to cut you off, but I'm thinking like from her perspective, if she's a a high-powered executive or even a middle manager, it doesn't matter. Like, I'd be leery of bringing someone like you in because then it makes me look like I'm a wreck. And then the employer won't trust that I can get my job done. 
And it's interesting because I came in before the accident. So funny how things happen Mm. after the accident came. And really what I was, was I was a effective communicator who became a mediator, who became a caseworker, case manager. And the employer landed up bringing me back and doing an in-house session for their human resources team. And they started letting more managers at her level stay home a day. They couldn't believe the productivity. They couldn't believe how much happier they were. So it was a snowball effect that she was looked at a leader for fostering such a good idea and doing it on her own personally and then brought it in professionally. And, you know, when I first went in, she didn't want the employer to, to pay for my services, but they landed up paying for my services because they were so happy with kind of the program and the ideas Mm -hmm. and the sustainability that I was going to show them and did show them so that when she had her accident, I landed up working again closely with that team to help manage her claim because Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to let her fall. I knew it was, you know, a very huge tragedy, but you have to have early intervention for something like that, or there's just no getting people back on track, right? Yeah, totally. And it sounds like that company was pretty progressive because, you know, more of the traditional types of companies, I've worked for all kinds. And the ones that are more on like the, I don't know, the the conventional side of things like health insurance and consulting and stuff like that, they don't understand this concept of like people actually being able to contribute more if they're given flex time in that way. So I think it's cool that she kind of spearheaded that. And today she's doing very, very well. And she is actually remarried and she's expecting again. So it's funny how life hands you, you know, different situations. But I think because she reached out initially to help with the work-life balance, um, I still keep in touch with her, but I just, when I, it's just, it's fun for me to, to think back in my mind and talk to you about the sequence of events. It's almost like it was meant to be. Aww. So you know? I want to dive a little deeper into this stress, stress piece of it. Um, because that was what she reached out to you for first. And how do you help people besides just getting like one day at home per week to work? Like, how do you really build at your core stress resilience? Well, stress resilience is is something that has to be worked at over time. And it's something that I, I think that you master and just get really good at. And I think one of the biggest things that I teach from the inset to have stress resilience and really develop and exercise that quality in your life is boundary management. Mm-hmm. And if you don't put boundaries in place and not be the yes person for everything, it's okay to say no. And if people's feelings get hurt, then they don't understand ba- boundary management because we cannot be all things to all people. We are not machines. We are not meant to be on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And some people try to do that and they land up getting sick. And that's why they land up being stressed and having all these ailments as a result of stress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That whole people pleasing, like must say yes, or try to do something for everyone all the time. And I think women tend to do that more often than men. um, In my opinion, I don't know. Have you seen the same? I do, but I I also see a lot of uh, fathers who are either divorced or widowed, and I think that they feel compelled to be that half mom, half dad, and I do see it on that side, especially on the widowed situation when they're trying to be that all-around dad but still have those mom qualities, so it, it mm. sneaks into that kind of um 
gender situation as well. I think it's a it's a psychosocial thing. I think it's a social economic thing. And what if I what if I say no? Will they judge me? Will I not get the next contract? Maybe they won't ask me again. You can't live your life in what if land. You have to know who you are and have your boundaries in place and people will respect you more because you're not trying to be, you know, the superhero Mm -hmm. wearing the red cape for everybody. What if it's someone that you generally in the past had always said yes to and tried to struggle your way through coming through on promises for them and now you've begun to say no and they don't like that change. They don't like that dynamic shift. How best can that kind of situation be handled? My favorite word, communication people (laughs) people's life change you know every decade we can say you know you're not the same person you are today that you were 10 years ago either am i Mm -hmm. so as our life evolves and changes we make different changes we implement different things into our life and if someone doesn't like that you're saying no and and you have to give an explanation then do you really want to work or volunteer or have that person associated and i find most people over 40 they do this And if someone doesn't like it, like they're not going to go home and lose any sleep over it. It's okay because they know who they are. They've put balance in their life. They love having the balance in their life. And they've realized usually from getting sick or doing too much or getting burnt out that they just don't want to go back there again. It's It's, not a good feeling. It's it's an awful feeling. Mm -hmm. It's like that Ariana Huffington story where like she just completely, you know, fell down one day and realized, oh, I guess I'm working a little too much. (laughs) So, um, yeah, now she's a huge proponent of turn off your devices at night, get enough sleep, meditate, all those things. Are those tools that you also recommend to your clients? Absolutely. Uh, If you have a phone for work, your phone is turned off at five. And and I'll just segue for a minute on that. Some of the large companies are doing this. Daimler Chrysler's doing it. Volkswagen is doing it. Netflix has even done it to the point of not only do you turn your phone off when you go home, they turn your email off after five and when you're on holiday. So, you know, we talked earlier about this being a trend. And the companies that are really dynamic and forward thinking and just, you know, really embracing these millennials, they know these millennials want work-life balance and they're coming out of school with the skills, especially in the tech world, that if they want to recruit these, you know, millennials, it's not about salary anymore. It's about all the other bells mm. and whistles mm-hmm. that are that's wrapped around that salary. Absolutely. So turning off technology for sure. I meditate every day. I try and do 60 minutes and if my day's full, I'll do 30 in the morning and I'll do 30 when I get home wow, at night because I, a lot. I I think cognitively your brain deserves to just go to that quiet place and mm. it helps you you know cognitively physiologically there's so many good health premises to meditation and there's 24 hours in a day so self-care is the number one foundation to work-life balance and if you don't give yourself at least 60 minutes out of those 24 hours that's the first thing we're going to work on. Oh, and I wanted to make a comment too, because you were talking about the millennials of today, right? So we had done the entire month of October as Millennial Month on NOL. And one of our guests, Angus Nelson, had talked about um, in his interview that, you know, nowadays, everybody's working virtually. So there's this whole move towards offsite employees and virtual 
teams and things like that. So I think companies who are used to having people in their seats in an office, they know that that's appealing to the millennials. And so in order to keep them, they offer all of these perks, these additional perks to make it seem like more, I don't know, enjoyable to work there, right? Absolutely. And the salary is, it's the forefront, but it's certainly not the caveat for them accepting the job. Mm -hmm. So what is the the first thing that the listeners can do, a little actionable item, to get a little closer to having less stress and some more healthy boundaries in their life so that they can take that one little inch towards more of a work-life fit? Well, there's a great blog um, on my website, and it's called You Only Have 168. And what will what is in that blog is it runs you through, you have 24 hours in a day, and in a seven-day period, one week, that's 168. So what I have them do, there's a link there for a chart that they can download, I have them track that time. So it's kind of an appetizer to the tool that I do with my one-on-one clients. Mm -hmm. And most people are so dumbfounded after they track that for a week that they can't believe. And the the two areas within work-life balance is spiritual and self-care normally have zero hours in them. Wow. I believe that because the first thing to go for me is the meditation, I just, I wake up and I'm like, ooh, I got to, my phone's already blowing up. I got to dive in. I, I'm not going to take 20 minutes right now. Well, and there's um, there's a good research article that I'll dig out for you. Um, it was done through Harvard and a colleague of mine who is also a neurotrauma specialist shared it with me. And the worst thing you can do in the morning is jump out of bed and hit the technology. There's different chemicals in our brain that get fired up right when we open our eyes after that sustained sleep, that REM sleep that we're coming out of. And we need to wake up gradual and just give that, I call it the gray noodle inside our head. We need to give it a little bit of ease in the morning. Wake up, get your eyeballs going, have a few breaths, let your feet hit the floor. You know, reach for the hot water with lemon before you down the cup of coffee with caffeine. Because everybody's starting off their day with a diuretic and they're starting already the dehydration process instead of the hydration process Mm. and our bodies love warm tepid water and when you put lemon in it it's just an added bonus to start the acidity in your system to break down everything you're going to eat that day oh yeah that'll wake it up (laughs) yeah it's such a simple little strategy and i have women say i feel so much better like i'm not drinking the two 16 ounce coffees by 7 8 a.m and i'm it's just for me i guess i take it for for granted much like you do with your levels of expertise and I'm like we're going to make one small change this week and that's what we're going to do and women and men both say Deb it's so easy like uh, warm water with a wedge of lemon I can do that and they feel so much better and I make them wait an hour before they grab that cell phone I was just going to say my thing would be okay I'll try the hot water with lemon but then right after that I got to get my coffee and my phone (laughs) that's that's when you do your meditation that's every day I start my day with the hot lemon water and I just sit in silence and I have a journal and I journaled 
in many different books, but on my 50th birthday, I got the five minute journal. And I have to tell you, I really love it because there's a quote at the top of the page. So you write the date, then, then there's a quote and then you write three things that you're grateful for. And it's so interesting because I always have so many. So three come to mind really easy. And then you write three things for the day that you want to get out of the day. And everything that I set that intention for always happens. And then you have to write an affirmation. I am whatever comes into your mind that day. And then you go home at night and you give three things about how your day went. And was there anything that you could have changed? I just, I love the format. So you have that morning bit of gratitude, just quiet mind before we get into the technological race. And then again, you have that mindfulness before bed. I also don't let my clients take their cell phone into their bedroom. When you go to bed, you're going to bed. That's my alarm clock. (laughs) You know what? All my clients have thanked me for it. I still have the old-fashioned alarm clock. My kids laugh. They're like, Mom, that's from the 80s. I'm like, (laughs) yep, and it doesn't. It just wakes me up with music because you know why? You'll check it. Yeah. You know, and it's different. Like, I also have um, first responders that I deal with, so police, fire, ambulance. Uh, I have a lot of medical people. I mean, I have to allow a little bit of variance because they do get calls for for medical reasons and emergencies. So there is an app on the phone where you can uh, lower the light. And, and I have them set that at that time and I have them turn it over. So even if they do have to answer it, they don't have that bright light right. shining in their face off their iPhone. Mm-hmm. It's all those simplistic little things because your eyes are the windows to your brain. And, and there's just so much that happens with that bright light. And again, at three o'clock in the morning, do, do you want to have that, you know, your adrenal glands Ugh, kick in? Like yeah. they've already, they've already got that with, with their job, that level of hypervigilance. So if I can pull away a few little strategies like that, it makes the world of difference for people and it helps with stress resilience. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just have to make the choice. If you're working too many hours and you're getting to that point of burnout, you have to make that choice of being like, you know what, this work is still going to be there tomorrow. So I'm just calling it a day and I'm going to chill out with a book, you know, go to my iPhone settings and turn it on to nighttime light or whatever it's called, you know, and just make those choices. You have to do it. It's like you said, it's like making the dedication in anything that you do. So if you are dedicated to go to your job every day, then you should also be dedicated to your own self-care. Exactly. I love it. So I like that five-minute journal. Where can we get that? Well, I got it as a gift for my 50th and it's pretty simple and I don't work for them. I'm just giving them a pitch because I love it and I want to share with your listeners and it's 5minutejournal.com. The other thing I love is it's just a half a year. So once you're done half a year before you get near the end, there's a page that says, hey, it's time to, to reorder. But I love the quotes. I love that I'm practicing my gratitude every day which I which I do I'm happy that I give myself a different daily affirmation every day which I did and I'm you know setting the intention for the day which I used to do so now I have it all in one little spot and I'm giving them to all my clients now because I just love it so someone gifted it to me so that's my pay for pay it for to share right that's so cool I love it so tell us about your your book the change series 
Well, I'm, I'm very excited. I've ri- I was in two books last year. So the first one was called the Change Book Series, and I'm in volume five. And it has gone number one uh, globally as the number one personal development book series. So my chapter is on work-life balance, of course, because that's my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> and work-life I have fit. Collaborate- work-life fit. And I, I almost think when I write my whole book, that will be the title and we'll X out the balance yes. and we'll put the word fit. That's exactly but what I, I see in my mind. And also a little yeah. picture of you like you do on Facebook, like with your little bicep, you know, or your big Absolutely. bicep. <laughs> my big bicep. Well, and there's, there's another, there's another great example. So people say to me, you know, do you really have work-life balance? Like, are you really as happy as you portray? And I always laugh. So last, I will share a personal story. Last Halloween, I said to my, my family, I'm turning 50 next May 2-4 weekend. So I want to be back in, and be in shape. So I, I researched some gyms and I talked to a lot of my colleagues because I have a lot of colleagues in fitness and, and they're in their mid to late 50s and they said, you need to do high intensity training. It's not about what you put in your mouth. What you put in your mouth is 80% and that's calorie intake and portion. And again, it's that common sense, but it's the commitment to do it. So I went back to the gym last Halloween and this Halloween will be one year, but on my 40th birth or on my 50th birthday, I had lost 40 pounds. That's awesome. That's a lot of weight. And it's a lot of weight, but you know what? I made a commitment and I put seven o'clock every morning. I went to the gym. I worked out for an hour. I had a shower. Then I started my day and I've done that every day since October 31st of last year. I love it when, I mean, I've been in those habitual cycles like that, but then something always throws it off, you know, (laughs) like a a trip, like you go on a trip or you have to, like for you, you go to speak at a conference. What do you do then? I work out in the hotel. When I go on a cruise, I work out on the boat because if you, I don't know what it's like in the U.S., but I can tell you from the can fit pro where the who's who was there disease and inflammation is from people who are sedentary and a lot of people have desk jobs our bodies are not meant to rest we are to move every day a minimum of 20 minutes so when you do high intensity training i'm working a different body part every every day so nothing i'm never i'm never doing the same thing twice if i'm somewhere where there's not a gym then i know my workouts enough i can work out in my room and just work out against my own body weight resistance i mm-hmm. can go for a very long walk as long as i'm moving yeah. that that is going to be that's going to be the health strategy. That is the health strategy for disease and aging. I have uh, clients. I have a client in Florida who's seventy, who's a bodybuilder. She looks forty. Wow. And and the fun part for me at the gym is a lot of. Um, I love working out at the gym because all the women are younger. They're millennials, <laughs> and they're like, "My mom is your age, and my mom like cannot do chin ups like you can." Like, I hope I'm like you when I'm fifty, mm-hmm. and it just makes me feel like a badass. You know, Hell and yeah. I'm like, that's really cool. Hell yeah! You know, you will you will be me when you're fifty, and they're like, "Why doesn't my mom do this?" I said, "She hasn't made the decision." <laughs> you know, it's funny. I saw a lady at my gym. This is a couple months. 
months ago already, but I remember she was she was walking in front of me and she had this like cut back. Her back was all cut up and like diamonds, you know, diamonds in her muscles. And then she turned around and I noticed she was an older woman. And I was shocked because her body looked so young. And she turns around and I was like, oh my gosh, you look amazing. And she's like, thank you so much. That just made my day. Like she, she told me she works hard. She's trying to keep up with her fitness and the whole thing. So you're right. Like keeping that up can be a way to bring that balance back too because it makes you feel good. It makes you healthier. Ceases your aging cycle a little bit, right? All of those things. Well, and I think the other thing that's important to note for women and especially your listeners, women suffer with a tremendous amount of depression and anxiety and exercise is the only antidepressant that's going to sustain and keep you in a great mood every day. Yeah. I think men struggle with depression too, but it's just probably not as well documented. So this is awesome stuff. I love the tools. What's next up for you, Deb? Well, I've created a series, a conference series called Soul Women on the Go. And I just love the word soul. It makes me think of dynamic, successful musicians and music and just soul music's that it's like soul food. It just makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. So I am collaborating with many of the change book uh, series co-authors. We're in 22 countries. So the joke for me is I know almost all of the authors and I'll never rent a hotel room again because I have so many friends. I'm going to take that on the road and I'm going to do it probably two a year. So we're going to start next May 2017. I believe we have booked May 6th and we're going to have it in St. Louis, Missouri. And then I have a lot of buddies in California, including you, that want me to bring it in the fall to California. So I'm I'm thinking that's going to come to fruition because... I I will get soul women, Michelle. It doesn't matter where I go. I'm going to draw so many amazing women together to create a magical day that's going to offer all kinds of different resources and tools and just have a really feel-good day all around the premise of work-life balance. But we're going to frame it in such a way that people are going to come and hear new information and walk away at the end of the day with tools that they can implement right away in their life and just make it a really, really fun girl day. because I've had a lot of people ask me to put something together and I think it's time I developed it last year but last year wasn't the right time and I'm I'm one of those entrepreneurs that really listens to my gut which is funny because our stomach is connected to the front of our brain so when people say I really listen to my gut like I just had that innate feeling I've always listened to that and I don't know if that takes me back to when I was 21 and sitting with my dad and him you know telling me to really think about what I'm doing and if I ever don't have a good feeling about it then it's not the right time and I've never wavered from that mm-hmm. and it was it's what you said before when I have to say no to people that have counted on me and worked with me before yes they were upset with me last year but you know what, that was their thing. Like I was very clear in saying it's not the right year. I, I, I'm not feeling it. Mm-hmm. There's something telling me to wait till 2017. It doesn't mean I'm not going to not ask you back. But the ones that were a little bit difficult and it really took them to a different level because I said no, that also taught me too that maybe they weren't the right ones to have going forward. So there's always a teaching moment mm. in those no's, right? Yes, 
Absolutely. Wow. Well, I love what you're doing. I do hope that you bring it to California. I think there are a lot of really conscious oriented women here on this side of the country and um, or continent, I should say, (laughs) since you're up in Canada. Oh, Canada. Um, So I hope you do that. And I love the fact that you're helping people and um, that you took your skill set and kind of transferred over to this area. I really appreciate what you're doing. Well, and I'm sure you can say a similar story. Can you not? Yes, although my struggle is still very real. <laughs> I haven't I haven't come out the other side yet, Deb. <laughs> you know. But you know what? But it's part of enjoying the journey and and this is one of the biggest conversations I have with my coaching clients and they say, "But this change is so hard." Yes. But it is. you know what? When you want it and you work at it and your grit is unparalleled, the journey so worth it because you are going to get out that other side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, and what have you put in place, you know, in your life for work-life balance? I'm sure you've been working crazy hours with your podcast and just your whole branding and everything you're doing because you're bringing it. You've brought it to fruition. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole lot of work. Um, I try to take a two to, you know, two to 3 p.m. or sometimes it's later, sometimes it's earlier, depending my walk or my workout time. You know, I got to get out in the sun, get my vitamin D and uh, or get my movement going. And now I'm also trying to implement the <laughs> the regular meditation time in the morning and at night. And uh, that's been a little more challenging for me. So I'm working on that. That'll be the next step. (laughs) Well, and you know, what you'll notice is when you do that regular meditation practice, you will be blown away at the level of your creativity and the ideas that are already inside of you that you haven't even yet discovered. Mm-hmm. My creativity goes through the roof when I maintain my my meditation practice. Mm-hmm. I do get that from the exercise. Like I'll be in the middle if, I, if I'm jogging or doing the stair climb or whatever it is. I start to get these flashes of clarity. You know, and I'm like, oh, yes, Uh, I have yet to experience that through meditation because my mind goes a million miles a minute. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. And you will. So I will let you have a pad and a pen beside your bed, just not your cell phone. So if you do wake up at 3 a.m. with that next cool idea for the podcast, you can write that down and then go back to sleep. Okay. (laughs) All right. I have to go and get like an old school alarm clock then, I guess, if I can't have my phone with me. (laughs) <laughs> you you will notice uh, a lightness when you go to bed. You'll probably sleep better. And we are a sleep-deprived country. Most women that I have uh, as private coaching clients, because I have more women than men, they, on average, sleep four to five, maybe five and a half hours a night. That's yeah. not enough sleep. No, no. Well, it's funny. I've got this sleep expert who says that the average that people need is seven to eight. So Exactly. Yeah. So those those people who think that they're fine on four to five hours of sleep, I don't know about that. You know, I am eight, nine hours a night, uninterrupted, best sleep ever. Mm-hmm. Me too. I love nine hours. That's my that's my sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, me, me, me too. Every night. And, and you know, the it's kind of like work-life balance. If you stick to that schedule, 
then when you fall off, if there's a, a life emergency or, or whatever, you know, will come your way, it's very easy to get back when you've got the schedule mm-hmm. set and practiced. And we're always going to have those bumps in the road, but it's much easier to get back on when you've got yourself in a beautiful routine totally. and you don't allow others to, to have you waver from that. Mm-hmm. So say no, everybody, when your friend is like, come on, come on out for some drinks. And it's 10 p.m. When you like to go to bed at 11, say no. <laughs> Absolutely. And that that's me because I do. I'm, in, I, I'm that 10 p.m. girl, but I get up at between 5 and 6. And right. I'm at the gym at 7. And people just know. So so they don't ask anymore because they know, like, I'm the root. Oh, she's the work-life she's balance. She's the routine okay. lady. <laughs> yeah. Because if anybody if anybody talks about work-life balance, they're like, you need to call Deb Pro. So I, you know what? <laughs> I worked hard to get that. And it makes me smile when people associate my name with those three words. And you're in such good shape mentally, physically, and spiritually, and emotionally. All those sides are, are feeling better for you because... You have that routine. So I'm a proponent of it. And I think it's awesome and inspiring. So uh, thank you again for coming on here and sharing all of this awesome information and wisdom with us, Deb. And I look forward to having you come to Cali with your conference, Soul Women on the Go. Absolutely. We will definitely talk more. And you keep shining your light with this podcast because I see great things for you. And I'm gonna I'm gonna keep tabs on you now to make sure you've got work life balance. <laughs> uh oh. I've got an accountability coach built right in. You do. You do. <laughs> I love it. Deb, thank you again. And uh when you get back to driving, be careful out there. Absolutely. Thanks for having me and have a great day. Have a great topic you'd like to hear discussed on an upcoming episode of Nothing Off Limits? Email us at ideas at ladyfoxentertainment.com. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate the show, and go to ladyfoxentertainment.com to sign up for our email list and to check out our resources page. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.